You are blessed in Jesus' name. That was a massive one. That was a massive one. I'm telling him that even if we stop the conference with that message, that's okay. That's the heart of the whole issue. I pray you receive grace to be a healthy Christian and to raise a healthy Christian in your church, in your ministry. So shall it be. Raise up your right hand again. You know, I was telling Pastor Fallodin this morning, me myself, when I was praying in the morning, I was thanking God. The church crew that we started inside a parlor. Now God has graduated us to be using a camp. That anointing will fall over you. We started it in a parlor. I remember somebody came to me. Somebody directed him. He was a young pastor. He came to my room and parlor. I don't know if my wife was around that day or not. And uh, he said he had a problem in his church. I told him the little I knew by then. You know, when we, when we finish, he said something. As he stood up, he was about going. He said, well, the person who directed me to you, I met more than what she told me. You really know church growth. But when I was, hear me, he said, but when I was coming, I thought it's a big office. I don't know if it's this room and parlor. So go and do something. Or don't die inside this room and parlor. And he left. You know, when I escorted him outside, I came back. I said, God, did you hear what he said? He's talking to you. So if you really want this, this church go, if it is you, take it out of this parlor. As he answered that prayer, he will do your own. I receive the anointing of growth. I banish the anointing for barrenness. Open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Please do have your seat. You are most welcome. Already, I see the Lord at work. I see him at work. If you have your manual, we're on page 24. Church growth redefined. That's the subject. Church growth redefined. Now, before I read the outline at all, I want to read the Bible. Because that is the ancient word that holds true, that changes you and me. It is from that word we bring out all these explanations. And my first Bible passage is going to be Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Verse 12 to verse 14. I'll just read it. I won't expand it at this point. But I believe that as a foundational scripture for growth that shows us the mind of God, 
that shows us the purpose of the church, that shows us the principles of the kingdom. And like uh, the conference we held in August last year, Green Minister, Green Ministry, I believe the color of the kingdom of God is green. And the principle of the kingdom is growth. And Jesus gave us many, 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 many scriptures and many stories and explanations to confirm that. So if he has called you into ministry, if he has called you into his kingdom, you must grow. And the work must grow in your hand. The kingdom has no room for barrenness. Am I talking to somebody? The kingdom has no room for what? May you not be barren. Tell your neighbor, may you not be barren. Every anointing of barrenness over your life and ministry, they are destroyed today in the name of Jesus. So let's read Psalm 92, verse 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar tree of Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. May that scripture be fulfilled in your life. Acts of Apostles chapter 2. That's the truth of the scripture. That's the principle. Let's look at the example now. Example of the first church. And God was careful to record it for us. Acts for Apostle chapter 2 from verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that heard, all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. Did he their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church how many times daily such as should be saved. When the Lord asks to your church, it is people that are saved. When you act by yourself, there will be woods for hellfire. Well, I'm not going to that interpretation now. Now, let's go to our outline. I just tried to biblicalize church growth for you. Because many of us have read books. You have heard teachings. You have attended conferences. You have been to many meetings. And many preachers have risen up that have taught on church growth. So, we need to redefine it. Because out there, there are wrong notions. There are wrong ideas. There are wrong beliefs. There are hard truths about what church growth stands for. Now let's read from the outline. I love the church because it is not man's idea, but God's idea. Do you believe that? The church is God's idea. Because it was Jesus that said in Matthew 16, 18, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Look at the next sentence. The church and family are the only two divine institutions that will survive in this world. The church and what? They are the only two. Every other one will perish. The more reason every concerned Christian must work for the growth and the health of both. So work for the growth of your family, work for the growth of the church because they are the same. As a divine shame, that's the church. It is perfect in heaven. But here or not, there are many challenges to our growth, well-being, and dynamism. Because it is people that are in charge. Because in heaven, he is already at home. Jesus is the ruler there. He's the husband. He's the head. He's the founder of the church in heaven. But here, where human beings, you and I are, and Nishorokupo, we have many issues. We have many challenges. And if a church is perfect, once a woman being joined that church, it becomes imperfect. And you that you are just starting your church, you feel you don't need church growth, wait for it. As long as there are human beings there, you will need it too. Except you gather angels. Even God that gather angels, he has problem with them. Not to talk of you. Hello? Are you Sarah? You're not answering me. Look, this is a camp. I can decide I will start to pray until your money expires. There's nothing you can do. This place is so big. By the time I go and hide somewhere, you won't know where I am. So you better answer me when I have you here now. The Lord will grow you. Your church will not die. The first church was started under the wicked constraints of the Roman Empire. Yet it still found a way to grow exponentially. That by AD 350, about 56% of the population, that's the whole world by then, claimed to be Christians. And according to further statistics, there were about 250 million people when the, on earth when Jesus came. And the church was under the Roman Empire, wicked empire. They burned Christians, destroyed Christians, and yet the church grew. That about 56% of the population claimed to be Christian. If the church grew by then, it will grow today. Within a short time, the followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, literally overtook this violent, unforgiving empire. How can the entire church repeat this feat in a biblical way? That is the burden the Lord has placed in my heart and many others that necessitate the study of church growth over the years. Your church will grow in Jesus' name. Now let's look at general misconceptions. Over the years, I have become someone lots of pastors love to hate due to misconceptions about church growth. Pastors and church leaders fight what they do not understand. Underline that one. They fight what they do not understand. And I had this misconception here and there over the years. Over the years, a lot of church leaders, oh, church growth, oh, it's just deceiving people. Ah, church growth, they have nothing. That Akidon is a problem. Hey, they are just bringing many, many, many lies that a lot of people have believed. And it has hindered them from being what God wants them to be. Let's look at some of those misconceptions. Church growth teaches a human attempt. 
to do the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is a lot of uh, people, fundamental pastors and churches saying that. Number two, church God is only concerned with numerical addition. Because they do, uh, those are people that read American books only. But thank God, even many years ago, uh, David Young Show wrote a book, More Than Numbers. That church growth is more than numbers. It's a small book, but very powerful book. One of the first books I wrote, I read very well on church growth. But that misconception is still there. Because when some people hear of church growth, oh, just to gather people, just to gather people. Number three, church growth is only a numbers game. Yes, that's a further confirmation of that. Church growth is watered down techniques to lure crowds to the church. Of course, some people use that. Church growth is only about prayer and evangelism. A pastor told me that. That what is church growth? It's only prayer and evangelism. But you soon discover that you will pray, you evangelize, and yet your church will not grow. Some other people believe that church growth is secular management styles in spiritual settings. Well, those are people that are management oriented and the few will just borrow from them. Thank God the first speaker have said that they are the ones that borrowed from us. Now, church growth is all about material, physical success, and large wealth, and large buildings. Where this misconception, some people believe it. Unfortunately, there are a lot of pastors that believe it. So when they receive text messages or they hear flyers, people talk to them about this kind of conference. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. In fact, we send text messages. You know when we send SMS? SMS. How many of you receive our SMS? How many of you? Okay, quite a majority. You know we have a lot of experiences about that. I remember somebody received our SMS one day and he called back, Aki John, leave me alone. Let me have time to do the work God has committed into my hands. I don't have time for conferences. Conferences, they, they don't allow me to do my work. Leave me alone, no. You know, pastors, they are very lovely people. I'm a very don't go to pastor. I'm a very lost one. I'm not going to the pastor. Very wonderful people. Tough to lead. But very wonderful. They are God's eyes. Okay, you are blessed. Unfortunately, numerous church leaders have rejected the teachings of holistic. I need you to underline that. Holistic church growth as a result of these misconceptions and their churches have been the worst for it. Now, the truth is this, and underline that truth ten times. You may not need church growth teachings to see growth in your church. But you can't sustain the growth without holistic church growth teachings and trainings. Did you hear that? You can start your church and you have a good charisma with gifts, with miracles, prophecy, signs, wonders, additions to faith. You know, we do a lot of additions today. Water, seven kinds of water. Rainfall, water, um, whatever, all that one, prophetic and everything. Crowds will come. But I can assure you, you can't use prophetic to maintain the crowd over a long period. And people you, br you brought up into the faith, like the first teaching,
people that are not nurtured, people that are not disciples, people that are not Christians, people that are only customers, they only come in your inter- denominational program day to be prophesied, to be worked on, to be doing hand the contributor free. They will never become good Christians. They will only remain as customers. And when your prophetic giving is no more sharp, they go to another prophet. One money will leave at you. And I often say this to pastors. When you hear a member singing one song that you have never sang in that church before, he learned it in a VG. Somewhere. Hello? Now, what is the definition of church growth biblically? Church growth is a living organism. The church is a living organism. The church has life. She has life. She has life. Why? The founder of the church, the foundation of the church, the head of the church, Jesus, is alive. And if the founder is alive, if the foundation is alive, if the head is alive, the body must be alive. And if the body is alive, the body must grow. Because living things grow. It's only dead things that doesn't grow. I still remember in our primary school days, they would teach us what has life. Kilon Ledger. Okutan Ledger. Blocking Ledger. Pakon Ledger. Enyan Ledger. Now they teach us what has life. Does wood has life? We say no. Does block has life? We say no. Does stone has life? We say no. Because they don't grow. But human beings has life. Animal has life. Every living thing must grow. That's where, that's where church growth teachings come from. So if your church is alive, that church must grow. Because living things grow. It's only dead. Or dying things that doesn't grow. So if your church is stagnant, it's not growing, he's dead, or dying, or sick. May you grow. So the church has life. The church is the body of Christ that receives from the head, the founder, and the foundation. If the head is alive, the body must be alive, and do what to, and grow. Living things grow, and must grow like a palm tree. Or see that tree that we read about. Now, those of you that have listened to me over the years, you know that whenever I talk about the pantry, I can talk about seven ways it grows. The pantry is an all-season tree. The pantry brings out new branches. The pantry doesn't die young. The pantry grows every day. As old branches are dying, new ones are coming out. The pantry is never barren. It bears fruit. Hello? The pantry, the storm that fell on that tree doesn't fall the pantry. The pantry grows extremely tall, about 120 feet. The pantry outlives many other trees and many other things. So when we read that the righteous shall flourish like the pantry, that is a message. That is a study in itself. And that's the way our life and our ministry must grow. So if you are not growing like the pantry, you are in trouble. The older a pantry is, the more the pantry must be useful. 
I study palm trees because the day I know that scripture, I started studying palm tree. And even remember that in my cocoa plantation, when my father died, don't, don't let me tell you the story of my family because some people always love to laugh at me and I don't, I don't like that. My father married five wives only. Only, and my mother, fortunately or unfortunately, happened to be the last wife. Fortunately or unfortunately, she had the most of the boys. So when my father died, they gave us cocoa plantation. Our own portion, I remember. You know, if you have ever been to a cocoa plantation, it's as wide as this. That you can trek two hours from one end to the other end. And you know, we always gather the cocoa at the center of the farm. We go and harvest from this end, harvest from that end, harvest from this end, harvest from that end, and we bring it to the middle. That's why we will cut it into two and peel it. Now, what I remember is this. There was this palm tree at that center of the farm. That was 19... I left home 1976. I remember that, that I started seeing that palm tree around 1972. When we follow our mother, because my father died when it was 1970, huh? just yesterday. You know, and I left home 1976. When I read this scripture, around 19... 19- 90. I went back to that farm. The pantry just grew a little bit taller than it was. When I was home, 76, we used cutlass. Okay, it's like that one there. Look at that one. Yes. Just like that. We just use cutlass to cut everything and cut the fruits and cut everything. By the time I went back, 20 years later, just a shade. By the time I went back, 2000, the thing was just, it's still up there. Bearing fruit. Other cocoa trees have died that we have to replant the cocoa. The palm tree is as young as ever. Stand up on your feet. You will flourish. Your ministry will flourish. Receive the anointing of the palm tree. So when the scriptures say, you can sit down if you like. If you don't like, remain standing, but don't, don't disturb anybody. So when the Bible says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, ah, very profound. And the palm tree grows until it dies. And in my study of the palm tree, if there's only one way for the palm tree to die. After many, 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 many years, after it has grown so tall and tall and tall. Do you know, before I tell you that one, I discovered another thing with pantry. Let one be here. Give it about 10 years. You will see others springing up. You know why? Because the fruits, if you don't harvest it, it throws it off. It throws it off. Throws it to a distance. Throw it to a distance. Throw it to a distance. So in about 10, 15 years, you see all that palm tree springing up. May you not be bad, I know. And you know, there are, there are people who have churches after 10 years. They don't have a branch yet. They don't have a branch yet. 
Even they are not up to 10 members. After 10 years, I was interviewing one guy in one class, in one of our classes. I said, what's your church? He said, it's 35 years old, sir. I said, how many members? He said, 25. Uh-uh. I said, and you are the one that has been leading that church since then? He said, yes, sir. I don't want to say more than that because his money will not cover it. Let's go back to our outline. I'm being careful in this conference. I don't want to give you more than what you pay for. I'm being very careful. You don't need to answer me. Just be praying for me that God should enter me. Church go there for studies and look at the nature. Look at that. The nature, the function, and the healthy growth of Christian churches. That's what church growth is all about. The nature. What's the nature of the church? Who started the church? Who owns the church? Why is the church here? What is the purpose of the church? Why are we here? Why did Christ say I will build my church? What's the nature? Church go looks at that. What is the function? How should the church function? Should we be another political party? Or should we be endorsing politicians? Is that the function of the church? Church go looks at that. Or are we just there as an entertainment center, social circle, just to collect people's money and do all those things and we have a nice time. And when they die, we bury them. We inherit their houses. Is that why we are here? Is that the function of the church? Church go looks at that. In biblical settings, not in human theology or human thinking or rational thinking or human being, mm, scripturally. Then church go looks at how can the church go in a healthy way? Of course, you need to understand that there are unhealthy growths. That's what church growth is all about. Now, churches must grow in biblical and healthy ways. So if your church is not growing, or if it's growing in an unbiblical way, check it, my brother. So there won't be, <laughs> there won't be lots of food for hellfire. All living things grow as all growing things live. Then growth is the end result of doing something right. In other words, if you are doing it right, your church must grow. If your church is not growing, your ministry is not growing, it means there are things you are not doing right. Sick, dying, or dead churches, they don't do what, oh? Underline that one. And there are many, many, many sick churches. There are many, many dying churches. There are many, many diseased churches. Biblical and healthy growth in the church doesn't come sheep. It doesn't come sheep. Because even the devil doesn't want the church to grow. So we do everything to corrupt it. There are prices you will pay. And that you must pay to see healthy growth in your life, in your ministry. When the church stops growing, she starts to gray. A non-growing church is a dying church. When growth stops, what starts? Decay. The church starts to decay. So what does that leave us? We don't have option, my brethren. If you are pastoring a church, if you are starting a church... If you are working in a denomination, you must remove every barrier to growth. Or else, you start dying from inside. The nature of the church is not to remain stagnant. If we remain stagnant, we start to die. 
We become like the Dead Sea. If we only receive and we don't give out, we die. If we remain the same, we are not growing. We are not multiplying. No new branches. No new converts. No new disciples. We die. You will grow. Factors of church life. The church as the body of Christ is tripartite in nature. Just as God had God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three nature of the church are interwoven just as the three nature of God. The three nature of the church are one, the contextual life of the church, the spiritual life of the church, the institutional life of the church. Those three, they work together. Now, I'll try to explain it. Those who have studied church growth very well, those who have been to our school, they should understand that very well. If you have not forgotten, you should understand. Number one, the contextual life of the church, that is that has to do with the location, the environment, and the atmosphere where the church operates from. It can kill the church, it can help the church. For example, now, churches that are in Boko Haram areas, are they growing? No, they are shut down. The environment affects them. That's why we need to pray. Churches in Syria, churches in Iraq, churches in all those places that are flashpoint of war and crisis and persecution, they don't grow because the environment stifles them. The location stifles them. So location, environment has impact on the church. There are places we locate our church. God did not say we should locate them there. We just find that the place is good and you locate where? God is a geographical God. You understand that statement? God is what? He's a geographical God. Today, because we want church everywhere, we want church everywhere, we just locate everywhere. It's not everywhere. It's not every location that is God's location. And when you locate yourself outside God's location, that shall not be located. And people will see Lima. God told Joshua, this is the boundary. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun, from river Euphrates to that river Nile, that is your boundary. Inside this boundary, no man shall be able to stand before you. But if you go outside it, you will fall before every man. That's the implication. So the question is, is your church located where God wants it to be located? Or just find a place where other churches are. You just locate yourself there. That's why when we get a building, a land, or we are planting a church, God, where do you want us? He is the owner of the world. The earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. But there are some places that are not receptive. There are some places where their cup of sin is not full yet. There are places where when you plant the seed, it will never germinate. Are you still around? The spiritual life of the church. So that's one. The contextual life. The spiritual life. That one is most important. That one is also important. That talks about the prayer, the leadership, the lifestyle, <laughs> the warfare, the breakthrough, the anointing, and the fasting, and all those things. It can help the church, it can hinder the church. The third one, the institutional life of the church. Uh-huh. That is the administration, the setup, the leadership, the personalities, the administrative policies, and the practice in the church. 
Now let me shock you with this. A church can be a spiritual, wonderfully spiritual, but administratively satanic. Did you hear that? A church can be wonderfully led. The leader, the founder, is a man of God. He's a child of God. He's sincere. He's genuine. He's honest. But he's very poor in administration and leadership. He will kill the church. And some will say, yes, I am sincere. Uh, sincerity. You may be innocent, but that doesn't mean you are innocent. I remember many years ago, there was this Nigerian sprinter, he runs, called Innocent Ibuniki. You know, they had an athletic meeting in Nairobi, and he beat a Kenyan. He runs 400 meters, 200, 400 meters. So he beat a Kenyan to the gold medal. It was uh, the former president of Kenya, Daniel Arap Moy. Who was presenting the gold medal? You know, it's coming. That's his coming. He said, This innocent. It's not innocent after all. <laughs> so your name can be innocent, and yet you are not innocent. So you may be sincere. You are a good leader. God calls you. But you don't improve your administration, it will kill your church. A church can be wonderfully led, but poorly managed. And a church can be properly managed, but poorly led. Any one of them, disease and kills churches. So those three factors, they are very important. Now let's go to what church growth is not, because of time. Because so many preachers have risen up to declare that, my church is growing. And become self-approved experts in teaching church growth today. Thereby confusing much more people. I need to state clearly what biblical and holistic church growth is not. Hello? Let me break it into two. There are people who teach church growth because their church have grown numerically. They arrange conferences. They call conferences. They write books based on the growth of their own church what they practiced, what they learned. And they teach it. They mentor people. They teach it to leaders. Wanting you to imbibe what they have done. You know, why that is a good idea, the weakness is this. No two churches are the same. If you are trying to adopt what they have taught you, you will have a problem. That's the problem me I have. With uh, Yongicho of Korea, with Requarem, Purpose Driven Church, and with many others in Nigeria that I don't want to mention their name, but you know them. They will teach us what they practice. I'm wanting you to go and uh, adopt them in your church. It's not going to work. There's somebody that is into church, uh, is it church management or church uh, whatever? Uh-huh. Church consultancy. And you pay a lot of money for him to consult for you. And when he will recommend for you, I've seen some of his recommendations. I laugh. It's my friend. We meet. He recognizes me, but we meet. But I laugh at what he's doing. I laugh a lot. Because I know it will not work. How can you, somebody that came from CAC background, CAC, CAC, 
Christ Apostolic Church. Somebody from a CSC background, where they don't ordain a woman as a minister, where they don't recommend a woman, the, the best a woman can become in CSC is a lady evangelist. Oh, in the labor room. Yag baby. Can you say yag baby? Yag baby. That's what she can become. And now that person went to somebody that says he's a church consultant and you are recommending that he should be the GO because he's the founder of the church and the wife should be the deputy. That's problem. And he's still in CAC. That's not going to work. Husband and wife ministry. Gospel Church of Jesus Christ, Nigerian Limited. <laughs> And people are having problems. So somebody came and said, I say, it will not work for you now. The denomination you are working inside will never allow that. If you want to practice that, you are going to have problem. Big problem. And did God say you should go out? He said, no. I said, stay there. He said, what should I do? I said, you have sent your money down the drain. Get to see that report and carry on what you are doing. He said, but God called mommy. I said, I I'm not contesting that. Into what? In children ministry. Hey, let's all go with children. Must you sit on the altar? Can they buy funiaro? Kote teku? Kole fella rao? Tell me about your dear dear. So with those kind of things, we have a lot of misconception about church gold. Now let's look at what I put down here. Church gold is not physical buildings without true what? Did you hear that? Underline that. Some people say once you have buildings, your church is growing. An architectural masterpiece. No, sir. You can have building. And yet, when it is not, there are no true worshippers in the church who worship God in spirit and truth. That is not church growth. That's not biblical church growth. Number two, church growth is not crowd. But who are not genuine disciples of Christ? There are many crowds. There are many crowds. In fact, I say this. I say this, and I mean it, and it's in the Bible. You don't need God to gather crowds. Hello? Did you hear that? Or I should repeat it. You don't need what? You don't need God to gather crowds. So, so if somebody is deceiving you, that all this crowd in this place is because God is with me. It's a lie. These jesters, I mean, what do you call them? Eh? Comedians. Don't they gather crowds? Is it God? Politicians. Don't they gather crowds? Is it God? Answer me, my friend. It's not God. If you put some marketing gimmicks together and all those things together and all those things, you gather crowd. If I want this place to be full, if I want this whole place to be full, I know what I'll do. I know what to do. Don't let me tell you that one. I know what to do. To recommend a copy here. I know what to do. If I want this whole place to be filled, Lord, I know what to do, my brother. I just need to. You don't need God to gather crowds. So if there are crowds in your church and that you are proving that that means church growth, far, 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 far. Hitler gather crowds. Wicked people 
gather crowds. Ungodly people, they gather crowds. Number three, church God is not financial breakthrough without integrity and holiness. And God is blessing our church. We have so much money in our church. Money is flowing in our church. Politicians' money. Abby? It was when one governor alleged that uh, money was given to pastors. And when it becomes shame, some people begin to refute it. But in their refuter, you will see that really they collected that money. Somebody says that, uh-huh, those of you that are collecting politicians' money to influence uh, decision at this time, at this time, that means at other times, you can collect it. I mean, you don't learn to read in between the lines. At this time, God's anger is on you. But at other times, <laughs> the Father, money is flowing. Doesn't mean God is with us. So. Have you read Psalm 73? Surely the Lord is good to Israel as those who have a clean heart. He said his feet was almost gone. His step was well nicely. When he saw the prosperity of the wicked, there was no bounce in their debt. They have more than their heart could wish. They had money and words. And he started blaming himself. He said, in vain have I watched my hands. I've been living righteous life in Webay, and yet God, you did not bless me like this. He said, I didn't know until I went into your sanctuary. Then I understood their end. Money says, you meet me here. And no matter how you gather me, you will leave me here. I will never follow you beyond here. It will go on towards all. You match money here, it will be like them. I feel less you. Me, I know money. I know what money is saying. Most of us that lead people, we don't know what money is saying. So we are getting money from politicians and all those things. I learned that up north, they gave pastors 50, 50,000, 50, 50,000 to buy your votes. So the church has gone to a level whereby we endorse candidate. We will call a meeting, a minister association, and call politicians there. Shame on us. Shame on us. Is that our calling? If you want to play, play politics, leave this ministry. The ministry of Jesus Christ is not for politicians. And once you dabble into politics, you are a gunner. Ask now. Let's move on. Church God is not large choir and worship, but without godly lifestyle. Are we back, huh? Uh, you know one state in Nigeria, the guy has broken Guinness Book of Record. Because he gathered more than 50,000 people in choir. Christmas carol. Christmas carol. And our preachers went there to preach. Honorero uh, is 10 million for one hour message. Hello, my dad. You know you are not going. My only problem is that you know you are not going. And you are deceiving many people. I saw somebody doing his marriage of recent. And he's doing his marriage. 
And he called somebody to lay hands on him. When I saw the victor money, yes, whoa. Oh, yeah, we ready? Say, you don't know who this man is. I yet to lay hand on you and your new wife. Hey! I said, say something. Even if it's a rumor, why do you allow that limitation in your life? Marriage, Toto. According to that, you are all that. And I don't shame you. Stand up. Stand up. This is your commanding officer. Stand up. General officer commanding. Stand up. Sit down. I'm not pleased. Stand up. Sister, stand up. Don't try my power. Have your seat. Church God is not sweet, die, and state of the art cars without godly simplicity. I love the way Pastor Father said it. Suits and swagger. Abby, we swagger. We are swaggerlicious. And you know that's one language that has crept into Pentecostalism and charismatic churches. You are my pastor, you are swaggerlicious. We demonstrate, we demonstrate, we demonstrate, we demonstrate, we demonstrate. We are even better than P-square and double-face. Have you given up a two-face on the altar? Some will say, I have two-face. One here, one there. So we are swagalicious on the altar. That's all we came to church for. The dancing steps, the new dancing steps, and all the noise. No wonder. I need a thing You cry, hey! We have that. We have a nice time. But there's no godliness. There's immorality and anointing going on. I was reading a Nigerian. I don't know. I became just numb. I wasn't shocked though, but I became numbed when I was reading it. It was in the newspaper last weekend. In Nigeria, and they relocated to U.S. And he told of how marriages are crashing. And how his own marriage crashed. His own marriage. After he relocated, I think he won this American visa lottery. He came back home to marry a Nigerian. And took her there. When that one got there, started mixing with fellow Nigerians. And she became stubborn. That even her pastor was sleeping with her on the altar. I just became numbed. I said, what? Hey, Jesus. And that's the America many people are going, you know, God's own country. Church God is not numerous branches that are only what? Supermarkets. Just to collect their money. 100%, 90%, 80%. And we don't care. Either those branches are doing good work for the law. Either they are discipling people and getting them ready for heaven. That's not church growth. Church growth is not secular style that breed only canon secular organizations. Church growth is not fast, rapid numbers 
but devoid of sound and solid spiritual life. Third word is not the miracles, the signs, the wonders that don't lead people to Christ. There are many people that receive from Christ, but they don't want to have anything to do with Christ. Can I say this? If your gifting and your charisma, the gift you receive from God, can only give people gifts and they don't know the Christ that bless them with that gift, you are a failure. You have not started this work. Because the purpose of the gift, the purpose of the miracles, is to draw them to Christ. So that they will know that Christ. And stay in that Christ. And stay with that Christ. And live for that Christ. And do the will of that Christ. And follow that Christ. And obey that Christ. But what we do in our churches, we use the miracles of Christ to bring them. But we never bring them to salvation in Christ. Dirty and yeah, yeah work. Work that will be burnt up on the last day. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being scriptural. Church God is not prophetic ministrations that only end up in money, fear, and what? Rituals. Prophetic. Prophetic. I hope you can read out my book on prophetic. You will know that I believe in prophecy. Me said at a point in my ministry, I was prophesying. Like Morikwe and Mirimbe. You see? That's part of prophetic. Some of you are laughing. It's part of it. But that's what we build our ministry on. Just the prophetic. People will leave church by dreams, by visions, by revelations. By word of knowledge, by word of wisdom, and whatever they tell us to do, that's what we do. Ah. We behave like Old Testament prophets in the life of New Testament. You know why God brought the new? There are some things in old that he has cancelled. For example, a woman that is in a monthly circle in Old Testament should not come near this altar. In the New Testament, what has happened? She can come. A woman that just gave birth two days ago, if she's strong enough, she can come. The blood of Jesus has washed her clean and covered her. But under Old Testament, she must stay away for 40 days. And the day she will come in, we have to purify her. Under the new, that has gone. In the Old Testament, if you want God to come near you, you must not go near your wife for three days. You remember Moses? When God came down to the moon, he says, sanctify yourself and stay away from your wife. But under the New Testament, you can do combined service. This morning, if I have done it one Sunday, Please don't tell my wife. Hello. Because that's what they taught us. When we newly get born again, they say when you marry, three days you must not go near your wife. You must fasten and pray. And when you are a preacher, you are going to preach in three days' time. You must stop going near your wife from today so that God will walk. That was my fear. That's what I brought to ministry. But you know what happened to me that Sunday morning? I finished my prayer. I finished my sermon. I just said, let me rest before I start going to church and uh, the work of the Lord. Praise Him. I saw the gates of the house of the Lord open. And I enter. May the blood of Jesus wash your heart. 
Because I don't know what you are laughing about. I'm quoting Psalm 24. Lift up your heads. Oh, you can. And be lifted up. You have a last kingdom. And let the king of glory call me. Who is the king of glory? The Lord who is mighty in battle is the king of glory. Yeah. May the blood of Jesus wash your heart. You that you are laughing, you are laughing loudest. You must have committed sin this morning. But don't worry, we are in the presence of the Lord. He forgives and cleanses. The blood of Jesus is still powerful like never before. It washes away all those things. But there are churches on a serious note. There are churches who still observe that. You are not a New Testament church. You are Old Testament that has been done away with. Hello? Let's move to what true church growth is. You can read the rest for yourself. What true and biblical church growth is. Church growth begins inside you. Where does it begin? Inside you. It starts from you. You. So if you're asking me, where does church growth start? Inside you. That's my answer. You must grow within before you can grow without. Church growth is your spiritual life. You must live godly, holy, Christ-like life that affects others uh, positively. That's church growth. True church growth is your life. Being a good example, a good model. Be on fire for the Lord. Another will come and see you born for the Lord. Three, church growth is discipleship. Bringing every person to true follower, disciple of Christ, and spiritual world to maturity. It's not enough for them to come and receive the prophetic and the miracles and the touch. It's not enough. We must turn them over a period of time through nurturing, feeding, integration, assimilation into true radical disciples of Christ. It is then that our church is growing. One disciple is better than a hundred customers. One true disciple of Christ. Even if it is one person, my brother, my sister, you don't need to win crowds. If it is one person, you can win. And you can disciple that person for Christ. And that one can stand for Christ. You will receive reward in heaven. Because the Bible says, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that did what? That repent. No, no, this is the question. If there is one joy in heaven over one sinner that repent, how about turning that sinner, a repentant sinner, to a true disciple that can disciple others? How many joys will be in heaven? So every gift that God gives to us is to turn people to Christ followers. Church growth is divine effulgence of life, visitation, and refreshing from on high. When God visits your church afresh, a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, then people will be converted. Sinners will come to the Lord. That is church growth. Church growth is a living congregation, a body of the believers, alive unto God, loving one another, and reaching out to... Yes, that's when your churches grow. Living congregation. There are many dead congregations who hate one another, bite one another, Kill one another. Destroy one another. Detest one another. Uh, 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 uh. That one is not a living congregation. 
Church growth. He's pursuing God's vision of great commission. Expanding his kingdom. Not your own empire. Not your own empire, sir. Pursuing God's vision. When you become a leader, let me resound this to your ears. When you have a church, when you have a ministry, when God is calling you, he has a vision for you. Pursue that vision. Others may not see that vision, but he give it to you so that you can dis, 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 uh, decimate it to others, disseminate it to others. And as long as you are faithful to that vision, the God of growth will bring growth. Church growth is awakening to Zoe life. Zoe life is the very life of God. Life from God that emerges and energizes uh, everything. May your church be alive. May the Zoe life of God permeate everybody in your church. So that they will be alive unto God. And they receive life from God. Church growth is finding the loss. That's a popular one. I have talked about that several times. Focusing on Christ. That's worship. Befriending sinners. That's outreach. Fighting spiritual warfare. Intercession. Folding the people inside the church. Assimilation. Feeding them with a balanced diet. Edification. Filling them for gifts and graces. Impartation. Feeding them back to their world. Ministry. You can see it covers many areas. And it covers many things. So before you can really say my church is growing. I understand church growth. There are many things you must put into consideration. Church growth is manifested in godly, calm, dynamic, competent, and credible leaders and leadership in charge of the church. If there are no core, credible leaders, the church is not really growing, my brethren. Church growth is healthy relationship inside and outside the church walls. Yes, you can read the rest for yourself. But I want to end this somewhere. That one is not in your outline. To really see church growth, there are two things you must do. You must internalize it. You must externalize it. Internalize. Externalize. And that internalize and externalize. I want to say it with seven words that I gave to my student yesterday in my validatory speech to some of the classes, two classes yesterday. To really switch out good in your life, in your ministry. Number one, you must accept it. Accept church growth teachings. My brother, as long as you are in this ministry, you will need it. And this is the training you should have. This is what you should learn and learn. These are the books you should read. Because you are in ministry. Accept it. You can't grow your church without, and sustain the growth of that church. And keep that church alive. Especially if your church is 10 15, 20, 30 years old, my brother, without proper and sound teachings of church go. Accept it. Number two, admit your mistakes. If you have made mistakes in the past, admit it. Everybody have made mistakes. You have made mistakes in associate. You have made mistakes in trustee. You have made mistakes in registration. You have made mistakes in workers. You have made mistakes in who is your member. You have made mistakes financially. You have made mistakes in inviting guest speakers. You have made several mistakes. And mistakes kill churches. 
Simple mistakes. Admit your mistake. Don't say they are abusing us. They are talking about our church. You know there are people. There are people. They are, okay. Okay, something happened to me. Maybe about two, three weeks back. And it reminds me something that happened in the past. You know, pastors, they don't want you to illustrate your teaching or whatever. Or cite examples of their church. Because they don't want to admit their mistakes. I'll tell you, there was one church. There was one church. At Idimu. This Idimu. There was a time I was researching Idimu. I was researching all these names. You know all these names we call our communities. In spiritual warfare, it has meaning. Okay, there was a time I researched up to Idimu. Idimu means Idimu. That is the foot of an Imu tree. There's a big oak tree in that around that roundabout in Sherry that joined with Idimu. That's where all the hunters, all the paraphernalia of occultic, all the people, they put all their paraphernalia at the foot of that Imu tree. That's why I go and research it very well. In Idimu community, this camp is no more Idimu. This is Ori Sumbari. Idimu ends at that junction down there where the road is not repaired. Churches don't grow in that environment. Up to the pipeline. Up to, before you get to our growth center, our Tidebel, things will grow. No, those are things you must know. You know, I said to you earlier that God is a geographical God. When you locate, when God locates you in an area, you must know this principality ruling that place. And you must do warfare. They are darkness. You are light. You think they will cross the guy and watch you. They will watch you. And when you are not attacking them, they will surely attack you. If you don't deal with them, they will deal with you and deal with your church. I swear that I must shake Ali. You do your best. The church will not, you will be sad coming to church because the church doesn't reflect the effort you are putting in. It's not your power, it's not your sin, it's the forces. So I did that research. Then I was fortunate to be invited by a church at Idimu. So when I got to that church, I asked the pastor, I said, How many years have you been there? By then, he said, About 18 years, if I remember correctly. You know, the walls, the walls are black, it couldn't roof. Even if a few corrugated irons have burnt up, what is jet is leaking. He used a tarpaulin to cover it. Even the tarpaulin has torn. You can see poverty united gospel church of Christ. When I asked him, I said, you know the meaning of the name Idimu? He said, yes, I know. I said, there's a particular Imo tree. He said, yes, I know. There is these four houses to my church. I said, so you research it. Say yes. He said, that's the house there. I said, what did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. They are doing their own. I'm doing my own. Ah. Because he refused to be taught. Then I, I left the church. Where I preached. I left. But down with him, I know nothing will happen here. Because the forces, because it was Jesus, our Lord, who started the church, who said, you can't go to the house of a strong man. Except you do what to? Bind him. And he went further to say that when a strong man is in his palaces, all his goods are secure. To enter his palace and lose people under him 
You have to deal with him. But that pastor doesn't want to be taught. So I remember some few weeks or days later, I was invited to Ifo, Ogo State, on the spiritual warfare teaching also. They were trying to do it for a day and if for warfare or something. A group of pastors from different churches gathered and I used that illustration. I didn't mention the name. I didn't mention the church. I just said that the demo and I, I, I recount this conversation. Unknown to me, there's a branch pastor of that church in that congregation. When we finish, he didn't come to me, oh. He didn't say I lie or I didn't lie. It was the truth. He went to his geo and said he was in a conference at T4 and Akijong mentioned your church and described your church as a poor church. So let's go and deal with Akijong. By then, our offices was at uh, Cincinnati, Dimu Road, Egbeda Bus Stop. Nobody knew my house. But I didn't know this pastor got to my house. I was in the living room. He came. Hey, I said, Pastor, how are you? His face, his countenance was not really fanimorous. He said, you mentioned my church. You used me as illustration. I said, no. I didn't mention your church. I didn't mention your name. But I used the demo as illustration. He said, hey, that's my church. I said, well, if it's your church, I'm saying it so that you can do warfare. So that that church will not die. And I'm using it to encourage others that people like you that fail to do warfare, your church will always be having problems in that community. He grew annoyed. Thank God he didn't beat me. Toro Rupe Molo Milara. Now this story I'm telling you is about a story of about 18 years ago. That church is in worse condition today. Because he never admits his mistakes. I've seen a lot of people that come to church go conferences and they learn all that we are learning. They never admit their mistakes. Look, if you really want your church to grow, you must admit your mistakes. All of us have made mistakes. Me self have made. There was a time I appointed board of trustees. After conference like this, they say, where is the money? They didn't ask me how much I pay. Like this place, it's more expensive than uh, the cross. We pay for share. We pay for people that arrange share. We pay for people that sweep. We pay for air. We pay for water. We pay for everything. Hey, Lodi, what is son? Mumbo. So after all that, I have a board of trustees that will ask me, don't tell us about the expenses. Tell us about the profits. I said, there's no profit when you are. Three, three thousand. Three, three thousand. Three, three thousand. Three, three thousand. Times one thousand. That's uh, three million. They didn't ask me the expenses. I had to sack them stylishly. Now, I made that mistake, so I'm just encouraging you. So, for church go to really work for you, admit your mistakes. Analyze your church. That's number three. Analyze that church. Analyze. Number four, adopt what you should adopt there. Not all of them, but adopt the one you should adopt. Number five, adapt to some of them. Adapt. Number six, adjust. Where you should adjust. Your money have expired. Number seven, adhere. Stand up on your feet. What is it? Mr. Shaman, sir. Come and lead prayer. Come and lead prayer. 
Accept, number one. Admit, number two. Analyze, number three. Adopt, number four. Adapt, number five. Adjust, number six. Adhere, number seven. Stand up on your feet. Are you still adjusting or adapting? <laughs> that was powerful. Number one, accept. Number two, admit your mistakes. Number three, analyze. Number four, adopt. Number five, adapt. Number six, adjust. So let's adjust quickly. Number seven, adhere to the principles of church growth. All these things will work for us in Jesus' name. When the president started, he started with a very powerful analysis of the pantry. And uh, I believe 15 minutes is not, is not enough to pray on that. So let's quickly adjust so that we can pray. I want to shout at the top of your voice. I reject barrenness in life and ministry in Jesus' name. Open your mouth and pray. Reject barrenness because we were told that the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He said the color of heaven is green. I reject barrenness in life and ministry. I reject barrenness in life and ministry. He gave us an example of a church that is about 36 years old today. And that church is still as it was. Pray, I reject barrenness. I reject barrenness in life and ministry. 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 Reject barrenness, reject it in the name of the Lord. Reject barrenness in the name of the Lord. I reject barrenness in the name of Jesus. I reject barrenness in the name of Jesus. I reject barrenness in the name of Jesus. I will not be barren. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let's go for spiritual fumigation. Every spest hindering growth in my life and ministry be destroyed by fire. Every pest. You know what I mean by pest? Spiritual pest, whatever the devil is using to hinder the growth of the work in our hands. Let the fire of the Lord destroy them right now. Will you open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus? Every pest, spiritual pest, or anything that has attached itself to my life, to my ministry, that the devil is using to slow down the growth of the work in my hand. 
receive the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Receive the fire of God in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Change the gear of your prayer to gear five. We are going to be very far. I receive the grace for growth. I will grow in every department of my life and my ministry. Receive the grace. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I receive the grace for growth. I will grow. I will grow. I will grow in every department of my life and my ministry. I receive that grace. 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 Receive the grace. Receive the grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. When the president started, he told all the story of how church growth started from the parlor. That reminded me of a story of a young man whose father was an horse trainer. They, they were so poor, the man would be going from one place to the other. It affected the education of that young boy. And as he was graduating from college, the teacher said all the students should write their dream, what they want to be in the future. That is a major test for them. And these guys spent hours and days and wrote about seven pages of what he wanted to be. He wanted to have an horse ranch for himself that would be of about 200 acres. And he, he, he drew, he analyzed how the place will be, where the houses will be, and all those things. And he submitted it to the teacher. By the time the teacher went through all the uh, tests, returned it to this young man, there was a big F. That is failed over the paper. And he called the young man. And I was asking, but why did you say I failed? He said, because you are so poor that this kind of a dream cannot come true for you. Don't you know how much it costs to guide the land? Don't you know how much this dream of yours will cost? He said, the only thing that will make you pass, if you can go back and write something else and bring it to me, then I will give you a pass. And the boy took it home to the father. Told the father the story. And the father said, well, you are the owner of your dream. Whatever you feel you want, go and do. The boy waited for some days. And he went back and submitted the same paper again. That is my dream. And the teacher said, but I've given you the condition. If you don't change this dream, you still have your F. The boy said, you can keep the F, but I will keep my dream. And some few years down the line, that dream actually came to pass. In fact, he was telling the story after that dream came to pass. He was on the acre of two, 200 acres of a ranch. Look for somebody. You are going to pray for that minister of God. That dream will not die. God that helped Dr. Francis Bollock and John. That the dream of church growth did not die. That God will help you. That dream will not die. Open your mouth and pray for that minister. That is one of the benefits of coming to a conference. Yes. That vision. 
that vision that God has given unto you will not die. That dream will come true. 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 In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Leave that person. Look at me. You are going to pray for somebody else, but hold on. That teacher, after about 30 years, came to that ranch. She was to do a training for some students. And she didn't really know who the owner was. So they came to use part of the ranch. And she ran into the owner. And it was that boy that she said will fail. The teacher kept her health. The boy kept her dream. You will look for another person. Everyone who have doubted your dreams. Everyone criticizing your ministry. They will witness the fulfillment of that dream. Go ahead and pray in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and pray in the name of Jesus. Those who have been criticizing, who have been saying, what have you brought back from church growth conference? They will see the result. They will see the result. In the name of Jesus. 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 Those who are saying, can any good thing come out of your Nazareth? They will see the fulfillment of that vision, of that dream, in the name of Jesus. They will see the fulfillment of that vision. They will see the fulfillment of that dream, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Leave that person one more person thing to pray for. But this one we are going to do warfare. Because the president told us about Idimu. He told us about the locations of our ministries and the forces that are walking around. That we must bind the strong man before we can dispossess the strong man. You are going to agree with somebody. Listen, that's one of the benefits of coming to a conference. People that buy books and buy tapes and don't come, they don't enjoy this. The place of agreement is the place of power. Are you hearing me? It was Jesus himself who said, if two of you shall agree together as touching anything, it shall be done. Please agree with somebody. I said, every strong man working against the growth of your ministry, I bind in Jesus' name. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Every strong man, every strong man working against the growth of your ministry, in the name that is above every name. I bind a strong man in Jesus name. And so shall it be in Jesus name. Can the two of you shout a better amen?